Another podcast brought to you by Team Worker. I'm really pumped to jump on the pod this week with Emily Ann King. Emily and her mom are the co-founders of Backpack Buddies. And it's appropriate that this podcast is dropping on Giving Tuesday as Backpack Buddies became the charity of our choice at the Corporate Co. for 2022. We thought long and hard about our giving strategy. There are times that we have given per person. There's times that we've given as an organization. We have focused locally. We have focused globally. And at the end of the day, one thing that feels very top of mind to me as we come out of pandemic, I hope, fingers crossed, is that there must be a deep care for the next generation, for the next generation that has become resilient and adaptable, that has gone through changes at very young ages of their lives that we as adults seem to be chirping much more about. Yet during the pandemic, going hungry is not something that we wish anyone to experience. And Backpack Buddies has been around for 10 years now. And their mission is to ensure that for all of the school programs that are available to give children food Monday to Friday while they go to school, that they receive discreetly with dignity a bag of food to take home with them on Friday afternoon so they can make it back to Monday morning ready to learn. This grabs my heartstrings when I think that anyone is hungry ever. I want to make 4,000 cookies for a bunch of very wealthy people to ride a bike from Vancouver to Whistler in the Grand Fondo. The very least that I could do would support children being fed to come to school on Monday morning. This conversation takes us behind the scenes of what it really takes to have a supply chain and a food distribution company to feed children. And I was just so stoked that Emily Ann was open to having this conversation. There's a, a new mom with a six-week-old baby currently on maternity leave. And the reality of a co-founder of a not-for-profit is she was still up for jumping on the mic. So I hope you enjoy this one. And I hope that wherever you give today, you think about giving every Tuesday with all of your heart. Emily Ann, welcome to the podcast. I am so grateful that you were able to make the time to riff with me today. Thank you so much for having me. I hear that you have a six-week-old baby, so it's not lost on me that it's very special to get these minutes and moments with you. And I want to dive in because, of course, you are more than a six-week-old baby as well. And I would just love you to introduce yourself to our listeners. Yeah, so my name is Emily Ann King, and I am the co-founder and co-executive director of the Backpack Buddies program based here in uh, on the beautiful North Shore of Vancouver. Ah, North Shore. Who is your co-founder? My mother. <laughs> Can you tell us how that story came to be? Yeah, so my mom has been in the sort of fundraising charitable space my whole life, you know, 35 plus years founding member of Canuck Place Children's Hospice and, you know, has really dedicated her life to me and my three siblings and to kids in general. And about 10 years ago, a little over 10 years ago now, she was looking for her next kind of project, something to sink her teeth into, always kid-centered. And 
So she asked me if I would maybe be interested in having some conversations with her and with some inner city outreach workers um, on the downtown east side and to try to explore maybe what some of the needs of the children in the schools were. And through that process was born the idea of the Backpack Buddy program. And so, you know, when we were kind of made aware of the issue of weekend hunger and really, you know, what what we do, it was just a real no-brainer for us that we were going to kind of jump in and, and try to help and a little tiny seed of an idea. And here we are a decade later running a big organization. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so for people that might not be familiar, can you share Backpack Buddies with us? Yeah. So we are dedicated to addressing the often hidden and crippling crisis of childhood hunger here in our beautiful province of British Columbia. So, you know, you hear often about breakfast and lunch programs in schools, but you don't often consider what's happening to those children on Saturdays and Sundays. You know, if they're hungry Monday to Friday, they certainly are on the weekends as well. So that is sort of the what we call the weekend hunger gap. And that's what we specifically target. So we address this by delivering bags of food to children all across our province on Friday afternoons. So we're in 275 plus distribution sites in BC, and each bag has enough meals to support a child for the entire weekend and beyond. And it's, you know, Mm -hmm. all the meals plus fresh fruits, veggies, snacks, and, you know, really making sure they have what they need so that they can come to school Monday not already one step behind and, and hopefully ready to learn. Yeah. Wow. It hurts my heart. And yet it's so real. And so it's a beautiful conversation to be in when it's the real conversation. And that is called weekend hunger. What I want to say is like, I'm wondering if you've seen any shifts in the realities. your program has grown over 10 years, which means you're only serving more children. Yeah. I mean, that is the reality of it. I wish I could say we've seen such wonderful improvement over the last 10 years, but I think, you know, the conversation, it's not that we are seeing more kids suffering in food insecurity, more families needing help. And, you know, for all of the reasons that are very topical right now, inflation and food prices and gas prices, all of those things that are compounding plus, you know, a lovely pandemic that really Mm -hmm. What I witnessed was a sector of people who were on the verge of food insecurity being tipped over the edge in recent years. And so, you know, demand for services like ours has only grown. Our phone doesn't stop ringing. It's really difficult, but we can only do what we can do. And that is support, you know, the over 4,000 kids a week that we do and, and continue to spread our message and hopefully grow. Yeah, that's so powerful. When you speak of your phone ringing, is your phone ringing of people who are hungry or of people? to help? What does that look like from your side? You know, on the program execution side, it really is phone calls of need. So, Mm -hmm. you know, whereas in the early days, we used to go door knocking essentially to schools and say, hey, here's our program. Do you have kids that might benefit? Now it is a constant ringing of families, you know, individual parents who are suddenly not able to put food on the table, looking for help, it's schools, it's school districts, and sometimes it's communities as a whole. You know, uh, Salt Spring Island, for example, is a recent place that we expanded to. You know, that was on a community level. So, you know, it's a small area. So it's really a community effort. And so, yeah, that's really the need. But on the flip side, the phone, I would say, rings equally with people mm-hmm. who are wanting to help, whether that's volunteering, donating, you know, all sorts of different things. People like yourselves who are giving back to the community by fundraising. And there is a balance of that, which is what helps us keep going when it can feel a little bit dire, the situation. Yeah. Really. Yeah. 
Totally. Yeah. yeah. Those Can phone you... calls are tough. <laughs> those phone calls are tough and your phone ringing off the hook with those phone calls is, is really tough. And I'm mindful I'm in Squamish right now and it feels like winter and it's where we know the seasons change in BC and I'm like, right. They need winter coats. They need warmth and they need a, a meal. And it's not one without all of them. You know, what is shelter? What are, what are all of our Maslow's hierarchy of needs to feel safe, not to mention what it feels like on Friday versus Monday. So I just have such a heart for the work that you're doing, because if we want the next generation to lead and change the world, may it start with breakfast on Saturday morning, really, you know? There's a sign that hangs in one of our school cafeterias, our second recipient school ever. And I saw it 10 years ago and it's never left me. And it says that you can't train the brain if you don't include the food. It really simplifies what we're trying to do here. Kids cannot learn if they're hungry and from hunger, there's all sorts of things that can develop, you know, whether that be health issues, behavioral difficulties, and then labels that come with that. And so at the very minimum, we need to make sure that kids have that baseline of nutrition, whereas other things in their lives might be very difficult. And like, we can't control that. What we can control is we can fill your belly. Yeah. Beautiful cared about. Yeah, absolutely. I'm wondering if you would share with us the behind the scenes. So when you speak of 275 distribution centers, what does that look like? And how do you go about even acquiring the contents that you're going to help distribute to 4,000 children? Yeah, it is a logistical masterpiece that is run by our ops and logistics uh, manager. So uh, we have an incredible team member named Lorraine. My mom and I are fundraisers and we're out there doing kind of this acquiring of these partnerships and relationships. And Lorraine is the person that actually gets the bags where they're going and how she Mm -hmm. manages it is remarkable. So when we look at a basic level, we have our huge warehouse on the North Shore. It's 11,000 square feet. And this is where we receive almost all of the goods for our program for the mainland of BC. And everything comes here through huge food suppliers. So we're working with groups like Cisco and and other big suppliers that you would see at at grocery stores. So we order through them. We have, you know, weekly, biweekly shipments from these companies into our space. And then it's volunteers who come in every single day, Monday to Friday, all day long. We have shifts of volunteers who are filling the 4,000 plus bags. And then the bags in the lower mainland are distributed by our six trucks that we own as an organization. And then anything that goes sort of beyond the Fraser Valley is delivered, you know, up into the interior. And, you know, we go as far north as a place called Stewart, BC, which is, uh, you can walk into Alaska from wow. it's like tip okay. top of the province. <laughs> and those bags are delivered through different shipping partners. So we have multiple that work in many small towns and communities. Kitwanga, for example, a very small indigenous community in the center of the province. There's one shipping company that goes there. So, you know, we piggyback on their trucks. And then we have a satellite warehouse that services Victoria and the greater Victoria region, as well as one in Port Hardy, which manages the northern wow. part of Vancouver Island. So it is just like a big, huge puzzle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you are in logistics. Oh. <laughs> Definitely something I never thought I would be doing when we started this kind of a skill set that I've managed to acquire is through osmosis, really. (laughs) 
Fair. I mean, as we do. When you started this 10 years ago, or rather when your mom came to you with the idea 10 years ago, what did you think of it? And what, where did you think you would be 10 years later? I mean, it was really that proverbial light bulb where you're like, Mm -hmm. there's kids, if they're hungry Monday to Friday, there's going to be hunger on the weekends. And it was, you know, very much a no brainer that I wanted to try to, to work with my mom to do something about it. In terms of where I thought we would be 10 years later, I'm a very like anything is possible kind of person. So I'd like to say, yeah, I thought we'd be doing this much, but I also don't know that I really believed that that could happen. Like on the flip side, like big dreamer, but also pragmatic. But the last sort of three years in particular has really Mm -hmm. driven home that we've hit on a real need and a niche that's not being filled. We can really do this and do this Mm -hmm. on a proper large scale. I hope that we continue 10 years from now to be across the country, you know, much like Mm -hmm. the Breakfast Club of Canada is national. I think that we've built the infrastructure to be able to do that. So Mm -hmm. pending funding, I want to be everywhere, coast to coast helping. (laughs) Yeah. Kids eat. You want to be coast to coast and you want kids to eat seven days a week. And what a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah full picture of food security for kids. We want to Mm -hmm. remove that, that where's my next meal coming from question and, and let them maybe just be kids a little bit more. Mm, Beautiful. Yeah. We talk about intergenerational trauma and also the generations of learning and Sometimes I wish adults would be more childlike. Sometimes I wish we could bring back childlike wonder into our overly stressed or overly programmed or overly screened adult brains. And who's to say that adults are feeding themselves properly? It's a really beautiful thing to know that you're offering wholesome meals to children. Because I think also as adults, not all adults know how to eat, let alone have the means to eat complete meals. Especially today and, you know, with Uh, the way things are. Yeah. It's certainly not an issue facing just children. I mean, it's, it's it's across our province. I mean, I don't think people realize the depths of hunger Mm. in our province and in our country. And, you know, when we talk about it, people often think of places like, you know, East Vancouver, the downtown East side, that visible pocket where it's like a Mm. very real and tangible thing, but that point being that hunger, it lives in every pocket of our communities, top to bottom, side to side, everywhere in our province, there are people Mm -hmm. who are struggling to feed themselves Mm -hmm. and their families. And yeah, it's often thought of as like over there, it's an over there issue. Mm. It's not, it's here and it's very real and it's deep rooted and it's growing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I know that can sound so doomsday, but you know, it's the reality. Well, when you speak of over there, I've been reading a lot about drug addiction and overdose and how it's a stigma that we are speaking about as an over there. And I'm wondering if hunger is something that we're not talking about in the same way, or have you found an access point, you know, like how do kids feel about raising their hand to say, I'm hungry? Yeah, I think there's sort of two sides to this. I think that the idea of stigma and being self-conscious about those sort of things is an adult construct that we project Mm -hmm. onto children. So often young kids, they don't have that built into their mindset yet. They're not built to feel shame about, they're just, I'm hungry. And so 
at a certain age, you know, when we're supporting young kids, they're just happy and there is very little unless someone's teaching them to feel uncomfortable about the support they might be receiving. We do find as our program, you know, as we work with older kids in high schools, you know, we started very much in an elementary school setting and Mm -hmm. high school that starts to build. And there is that sense Mm -hmm. of not wanting to be singled out. And so we've built sort of systems to try to navigate that so that in the distribution side of things, the bag is put into a child's backpack at lunch when they're outside and no one sees it. And they just know it's there when they go home at the end of the day for them, not trying to single anybody out. And really beyond that, we leave much of that actual distribution to the hand of the child to each of the sites to navigate based Mm. on their location, their demographics, their how they see fit for their particular community, because it's very much not a one size fits all. Yeah, that's so beautiful. What grace and, and compassion that you have to understand how to create a system so that children can feel dignity in accepting food. It's a beautiful thing. We try. Thank you. You're doing it. I want to ask how people can donate or what you need. How can we help support Backpack Buddies? Donating the best way is on our website, backpackbuddies.ca. It takes just a $20 donation to feed a child on our program for the entire weekend. And really, you know, money, we're able to stretch our donor dollars really far with our buying power. And so every dollar goes as far as it possibly can. And and we're doing as much as possible with it. So that's really number one, especially with food prices rising, you know, for the Mm -hmm. consumer, but also for us as an organization, we're feeling that pinch all the time. So monetary donations are so welcome and helpful. And beyond that, volunteering with us in North Vancouver, those bags don't pack themselves. We're really grateful for anyone that's interested in coming and donating their time, which to me is equally as valuable as dollars. So that's also on our website. Amazing. I love that. We wrap every podcast on Uncorked with one last question. And I mean, it's heartwarming and I want you to answer however is true for you. And that is what is currently making your heart beat faster? Oh, well, you're going to make me cry. It's my beautiful (laughs) little six week old baby. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, that would be it. You know, I uh, struggled very much with infertility and multiple losses. I had my daughter four and a half years ago and it was that easy sort of fairy tale thing. And, And this second child is a real miracle to our family. So every Every little sniff of his head is gives me so much joy and so grateful for that. <laughs> oh, well, as a new mom who may or may not be getting any sleep at night, um, <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And these moments are so special. So I'm so grateful for your time. I'm grateful that you and your mom have dedicated your life to this. And I'm so stoked and proud of the work that we do at the Corker Co. inside organizations. And it's not lost on me that in order to keep the flywheel spinning for generations, we need to help other people start businesses, join businesses. And it really does start in elementary school. And so it's not lost on me that your work is so critical for the future of this beautiful province and this sweet world. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we're stoked to help put some food in packs this season. Yeah. 
I think we were all put here to just walk each mm-hmm. other home. Amen. That's what we're doing here. And that's what you're helping. Yeah. With. So thank you for, oh. for to support our work. We're, we're so grateful. Absolutely. Thanks. Thank you.